0: Hey everyone, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I am Timothy Styles, and with me is professional wrestler and Las Vegas-based trainer, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. Yo, buddy. Hey, mister, how are you?
1: Uh, my head is pulsating.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, we're going to talk about that in a minute, or sometime, or maybe we won't, we'll see. Uh, before we start the show, I quickly want to mention that if you like the show, a good way to show your love would be by going... To turnbuckleboogie.com and clicking on the gimmick table, pick yourself up a t shirt. It's actually pretty cool, I think.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a cool t shirt. And uh
0: as somebody who's wearing you wear a lot of cool t shirts. Thank you. You're wearing a Jerry Lynn one right now. I am
1: absolutely wearing a long sleeve Jerry Lynn shirt right now.
0: Any vouches for the Turnbuckle Boogie uh show shirt. I I I we've who we've had two orders,
1: haven't we have we have had 2 orders have not we Huh? I think there's two people that have ordered one. There's been plenty. There's been plenty of people have ordered them. Yeah. But there there's there's two people that hit me up recently mm-hmm. on Instagram. I have to repost them. I've been lazy.
0: Oh. Well, yeah, get in on that shit, people. Yes. Any, anyway, anything you want to plug before we start?
1: Um no, uh not necessarily. Uh I if anybody can get me a sponsorship from uh Neosporn, um, I'd be thankful and grateful. Let's boogie.
0: So this week's episode, <laughs> quit laughing at me. This week's episode uh, might be the only time in history where I, I I mentioned a name like, "Hey, we're gonna call it this," and then immediately I was like, "Why did I call it that shit?" Because I don't even like this person. <laughs> uh, I mean, I you know I generally pick out of a hat of just sort of random legends, you know. I try to mix it up and go AWA one week. And uh Lucha Libre the next week and on yeah. to Japan. You know, I try to uh, to, to get around. I think around. this is
1: our second lucha episode.
0: Uh yeah, it is. You know, obviously we're we're holding on to Blue Demon and who knows who else will come down the pike.
1: Yes. mascara L- Dorada. Wait, uh, Masquerito Dorada, but he's still wrestling, so it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Because we only retired. do, we only do for the people who are listening, we only do people who are either retired or dead. Actually, you know what? This might break the rule because Mil Mascaras um, had a, a match, I think, a year ago. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's active, though. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, but he's got to be in his 80s. Oh, he's an old, old man. Yeah, yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, I generally think... And I think we'll quickly talk about him and get him out of the way and get on with the rest of the show. Uh, With all due respect, he's a respected legend uh, and he's made a career for himself. But he's the ultimate warrior of Mexico as far as I'm concerned. I've seen so many stinky matches for this (laughs) fucking goddamn. Let's see. What sort of Spanish insult can I throw? I don't know without being racist. <laughs> I, I don't
1: think that it's possible <laughs> to throw a specific insult to somebody regarding their race and not being racist.
0: All right, I'll 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 uh, I'll uh, concede. <laughs> but yeah, I watched so many bad matches with no <laughs> Mascara's, like all of them. Uh, this this guy, I mean, it, it, we've all heard the the sort of rumors and the tales of oh, he doesn't do jobs and. It runs deeper than that. I mean, oh, yeah. I, he, This guy thought he was fucking the Legion of Doom. Well, it,
1: it, the crazy thing is, is that he didn't necessarily think because of the fact that he was like the ultimate warrior and or Hulk Hogan of Mexico.
0: Keep talking. I'm going to take my he hoodie off. Had, I'm, I'm starting to get warm here.
1: He had a very fabled uh, career in Japan. Um, Fabled. I, uh, yeah, man, like dude, like, Mil Mascaras is like big in Japan.
0: I'm sure that's true, but I gotta tell you, uh, in preparation for this show, I watched a, a handful of matches just to sort of re, you know, rekindle my memory. And, um, one of those matches was with, uh, Misawa as Tiger Mask. Okay. And this, <laughs> he sandbagged so much. Yeah no sold so much you could tell uh that uh masawa had enough of this shit and i won't say it was a shoot but it got so fucking sloppy yep that it was unbelievable and the whole time i was just cringing and rolling my eyes like "Ugh!" <laughs> and then any you know knowing you know what you know and then i know a percentage of that and just knowing what I know, I was like, yikes. What a nightmare this guy must be to work with.
1: And and there's a lot. And I think that that was the one thing that when you told me, Mil Mascaris, I'm like, yeah, man, we can talk about un- professionalism in the industry. Um, but, you know, he was very protective of his image. And it, a little too protective. Yes. And but he was able to make a career for himself to be heralded as a legend.
0: I wonder how he pulled it off. I think it's, is. It, does it just have to do, cause he wasn't particularly tall. Do, it, do you think it had to do with the fact that he was in great shape?
1: I think that that was a, a big part of it.
0: And also, if you're in great shape around a bunch of sort of nondescript, sort of uh mexican dudes wearing masks you probably stand out pretty good
1: you're gonna stand out and then also i believe that just the fact of he had always really quality made gear you know like his entrance gear was probably more extravagant than his in-ring gear but there was always something uh there there was some pageantry behind
0: him yeah dude guy would take off a mask and he had a mask on underneath it's, got, <laughs> it's a great gimmick mask within a mask yeah mask sepson but then the bell would ring and whoops
1: yep and <laughs> good grief and i feel like there are some multi-man matches that i've seen uh that he would whenever he was partnered with uh dos caras who was i believe his brother Hmm. um <clears throat> i don't know by the way i'm just saying i'm mm-hmm. <gasps> dos Carus was dope like he was really good so for me like being able to see you know uh somebody that was putting in maximum effort and somebody that wasn't putting in maximum effort you know like i was always more of a fan of dos Karras than mil mascaris for myself and I do think that it is absolutely hilarious that that Royal Rumble that Mil Mascaris was on, he decided to eliminate himself by doing the dive to the outside.
0: Yeah, because he couldn't look uh, look weak. So he couldn't look weak, but then he looked like a complete
1: fool because you decided to eliminate yourself from a match and cost yourself a title shot at WrestleMania. Yeah, I guess. Because that's what's going to protect you. So I think that that right there is really the lesson to take away from it is, is that there are situations where I have been told like, Hey, we need you to do this. And sometimes it might not always be the best thing for me to do. Right. And then I have to go through the process of trying to convince the promoter that I'm working for. Like, Hey, I I don't think this is going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. And then I am either met with, okay, well, I can see what you're saying. We're going to adjust it, and we're going to fix it. And there's been times where it's like flat out, no, uh, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I'm always there to say, you see? That didn't necessarily work the way that we thought it was going to work. So, uh,
0: By the way, while you've been talking, I I, uh, Googled, uh, which is against my rules on this show, because I was dying to know as I thought about it. I wonder what would happen if Mil Mascaris and uh, Bruiser Brody got the ring together. Then that happened. Yeah, that's that. that, that I, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah, did it happen? Yeah, it, it looks like it happened in a tag. Yeah, Mill Mascaris and Dos Caras versus Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. How much you want to bet? Mill Mascaris is barely in the ring.
1: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably quite quite often, and the match probably doesn't have a decisive finish. It probably ends on some brawl none of count his, out.
0: None of his matches had a decisive finish.
1: But it wasn't just for Mil Mascaris in All Japan, though, because there was a lot of matches that didn't have finishes that involved Bruiser Brody and Hanson,
0: because
1: right. that's how they protected those guys right and that's why it created such a problem with japanese wrestling in the mid to late 80s and where referees in japan don't necessarily throw matches out anymore cuz the crowds were tired of seeing these fuck finishes So then you have the mid to late nineties era of Kendo Kashin just flat out kicking someone in the dick in front of the referee (laughs) and the referee is like, Hey, just don't do that. (laughs) and That's not a good thing to do.
0: I'm telling you, I would be the best referee. I can either be the guy who, who, who calls the the rules right down the line, or I can be the guy doesn't notice anything. Hey, or it just be the complete, pacifist hey man you shouldn't do that that's not a nice thing to do hey that's not that's not one of the rules <laughs> come on come on guy what are you doing that's amazing i always like those referees they, yeah uh, they seem like uh bothered like anytime someone cheats they get kicked in the dingling or the eye gouge or whatever they always kind of throw up their hands and go hey come on
1: yeah i uh <laughs> i one time for a freak show wrestling event i refereed a match between marty the marth um marty the moth who was on lucha underground and funny bone and i refereed the match as god and i don't think that sin bodhi had realized that marty the moth is actually extremely religious sure so
0: i'm willing to bet the odds of uh, all the cast members on lucha underground being uh, hyper christians the odds are pretty high. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. These are the kind of cats that burn those funny candles that you see in the drugstores. You know what's
1: funny is that there's like a huge uh, thing going online now where people make like joke prayer candles.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I
1: have an Eric Andre prayer candle, and I also have a Nick Cave uh, prayer candle. Right. Yes. Very. Do, you, do you light them and say, I don't know what you're supposed to do? Uh, I just have them. That's all I, they did. They, they're just on display. That's all. all right. Right. But
0: um, <clears throat> moving on, I don't have anything great to say about Mil Mascaris.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I have a funny story about Mil Mascaris from when I met him at a CAC.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, did you kiss his
1: butt? Oh, no, man. I just I had a copy of fire pro wrestling returns. Right. And it was the American version for the PlayStation 2. And on the back of the cover, it the edit wrestler is actually Mil Mascaris. And I approached him to have him sign it. And uh, his translator uh, said, yeah, he's not going to sign that because they didn't ask to use his image in the game. And, uh, yeah, if you want an autograph, you're going to have to buy a $275 mask. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm just not going to.
0: I do like these. It's always disappointing when you hear about sports heroes. Yeah. That are like, uh, hey, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., will you sign my baseball card? He's like, sorry, kid, I only sign Upper Deck. And it's like, come on, dude, what are you, a fucking dickhead? Yeah. Well, yes. Precisely, yes. By the way, I pulled that name out (sighs) of the hat. I'm sure Ken Griffey Jr. is a lovely guy. Well, in today's day and age, I think that back in the day when people were asking
1: for autographs, it wasn't their intention to immediately turn around and try to sell it on eBay. Right. Which I know that, unfortunately, now that is a huge part sure and it's also driven the value of autograph merchandise in the dirt um to where like an eight by ten with a wrestler's autograph used to be able to fetch a little bit more money for sure now you can buy an autograph Mm. picture from a wrestler on ebay for 25 bucks if you wanted to right
0: well i mean fuck let it happen yeah fucking uh kill off their market it's like that scene in uh, *The Life Aquatic* where with guy, Steve Zissou. Yeah, with Steve Zissou, uh, where the guy comes up to—he's like French, so I can't do the thing. But he's like, "Hey, uh, Mister Zissou, can you sign this?" And he's like, "All right." He gets a sharpie and he signs it, and he pulls it away and he goes, "And sign this," and sign this. And eventually he goes. All right, fuck it. <laughs> yes. It's like he just fucks off. It's like God damn. Like how many of these do you want me to sign? What do you need, old man? Anche questa. Anche Anche
2: How
0: many
3: of these do you have? All right, look, just forge the rest of them yourself, all right? Get out of here. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know. I, you know, I've in season one of this show, I recounted my my only time I ever asked for an autograph, and I fucking humiliated myself. Really? Uh, yeah, you don't remember? Tell me again. Uh, it was at. I'm sure once I start, you'll go, oh yeah, but let me finish. Um, it was at the, uh, oh, the, the WCW nitro grill, nitro grill yep. continue with the story. And they were, you know, every, every month or week or whatever it was, they would have two people from WCW at its absolute apex come into town and, um, they would be, uh, signing autographs yep. and one, and I never cared. You know, I'm gonna go down and get Hacksaw Jim Duggan's autograph. Why not? In his not prime. Yeah. And, uh, but one time it was like Goldberg and, uh, uh Jimmy Hart. Yes. And my buddy was like, yeah, fuck, let's go get Goldberg's autograph. I was like, oh, I'm going. But I'm not interested in Goldberg, one fucking bet. Uh, I want Jimmy Hart's autograph because yes. I was so in deep with the, uh, the Lawler-Kaufman feud, and I, you know, I knew about, um, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hart's involvement in it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when I ran up to him, cause I was like one of the few people like, oh shit, it's mouth of the South. Uh, he signed, hey baby, what's up baby? And you know, he signs it real quick with his sunglasses on indoors. Yeah. And then, uh, He's after, got a hangover man Take it easy on Yeah right. <laughs> He's had a hangover for life uh, He gives me the thing And I very excitingly yell out This guy was the greatest thing That ever happened to the 80s Yes uh, As loud as I could And then immediately was like What a fucking insulting thing to say <laughs> Because it was like 19 I, I, It was like 2000 Yeah
1: <laughs> it's, it's, like, been, it's been about 20 years
0: Yeah it's like It's like yelling out Hey, this guy ain't been shit in two decades. decades. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I've not uh, been interested. And, and quite honestly, I've just not been interested in bothering people. That's and, uh, that's uh, my thing, man. I don't want to bother nobody. Yeah, I don't want to bother people. And it's like, uh, even if they're there for uh, autograph signing, what a miserable affair. They sit at a table and just, uh, you know, just constantly writing their scribbling their name over and over like i don't even want to be part of that line not to mention and this is part of the industry that i hate and it comes from the the fun carny days of just selling gimmicks for really stupid prices yes you know hey come get this eight by ten for 40 bucks and it's like fuck that i don't need a picture of you that bad right and, uh, uh, or a Polaroid for 20 a Polaroid
1: and I think that like just the there the collector's market does not actually realize that when you pay exorbitant prices for stupid things the cost of those stupid things skyrockets mm-hmm. and I'm I'm okay with anyone trying to get their hustle on. And I feel especially bad for, like, the older wrestlers that... I guess, but... They I, can't physically do anything in the ring anymore.
0: Right. I just feel stupid buying garbage from, from someone, because you almost look down on them when it's like, hey, buy this picture of me in my heyday. And it's like, all right, uh, but this is mildly humiliating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, the, and, and I'm I, participating in your humiliation. Yeah.
1: And there, And I mean, I... You know, I've only been able to sell eight by tens as of like within the last year. Yeah, I've I've printed eight by tens, and I've never been able to sell them. Nobody has ever wanted to buy a picture of fat and or skinny Cody. Right.
0: But, well, who wants a fucking? Because eight by tens are corny. Now, yes, posters. Yes, posters. I think would be dope.
1: Yeah, and that's something that I I'm I'm looking into that. Um, but you know, if anyone is willing to contribute in any way. And oftentimes people will pick the picture because they can't afford the shirt. Right. You know, like that's, that's one thing that I've noticed is that for any, uh, for any people that are in the industry that are looking for merch ideas, give them more option than just a t-shirt, because if they only have $5 in their pocket, they might want to get a picture instead. You know, um, you want to be able to have buttons. You want to be able to have, eight by tens you want to be able posters would be great you want to be able to have t-shirts hats beanies you know things like that just with different price points so if anyone walks past your table they can walk away with something Hmm. and you're going to put money in your pocket that way
3: here we go ladies and gentlemen here comes the legendary mill mascaras You're joined by a countryman, Bill Mascaris. Even though there, there'll be no allies here, yes indeed they are countrymen. That's about as far as that relationship goes. The man of a thousand masks, Bill Mascaris in here. And here's the getting going to work on a Sultan. <laughs> Sultan set up for the ride now. And oh yeah, <laughs> Mascaris in the ring for over three decades. Renowned movie and television star in Mexico, known as a man of a thousand masks. And do you know what a feather in somebody's cap it would be if Stone Cold Steve Austin or the Sultan were able to unmask Mil Mascaris right here in the Royal Rumble? Would that be something?
0: What do you think about having a gimmick? Let me. Here's an interesting question. This is a showbiz question. It's not really specific to uh, pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like a comedian, they do a show and then they got a gimmick guy. This is the guy that they they uh, either travel with, maybe it's their manager or a girlfriend or somebody yep. who uh, is selling the gimmicks because they feel that they uh, there has to be some air of you know this is a person who's up on the stage a little bit. Yes. Um, now there's plenty of comedians who don't do that. They're, they're happy to fucking uh, be there, shake hands, and do all that shit. Uh, and I don't think in the modern day uh, wrestlers have that old school mentality of, you know, that they're better than the, the the people they're entertaining, I guess.
1: Well, and it depends on if you actually want to make money or not, because the way that it works with wrestling from my viewpoint mm-hmm. and from my direct experience when I was a heel, I never sold my own mer- merchandise. People would sell my merchandise for me. I would go right. tell a student, hey, um, somebody else would sell my merchandise. I didn't sell a lot of merchandise as a heel. Now, was that because I was doing my job as a heel that could have a part of it, but I also wasn't in front of people. Right. There was one time I sold my merchandise as a heel and <clears throat> became so agitated with having to deal with people <clears throat> as a heel. Um, and then also try to sell shit. And I did sell more when I was physically at the merchandise stand, but then I also had some dumb fucking kid come up to me and I'm like, well, I only have 12 bucks and I really want a t-shirt. And I'm like, okay, we'll come back with <laughs> 20. Right. Like, well, I was able to come back and I got 15 now. And like, literally I just stood up out of my chair and I'm like, does anybody have $5 to give to this kid so I can give him a t-shirt and he can get out of my face? <laughs> right. And somebody coughed up the money and As as fun as it was, I never again. And then when I don't work the merch table at a Diversions Amusement Show.
0: How do you act in that situation as a babyface?
1: How do I act in that situation as a babyface is, hey man, I'm really, really sorry, but I had to pay this much money to get the shirt printed and I have to make sure that I'm not coming at a loss. Thank you for your undying devotion and support.
0: (laughs) That's where you want a gimmick guy. I used to do... uh, uh, the House of Blues would call me. Uh, there was a period where I was unemployed, and uh, uh, I got on like a list where anytime they, the House of Blues out here in Vegas, which is in the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino, yep. Anytime they needed a gimmick guy, you know, like a band would roll through town, like, "Hey, Bo Diddley's coming through town!" Hell yeah. Uh, uh, we need you to come out. Is like you'll make sixty bucks for a few hours all you got to do is sit at a table
1: do you get to take a shirt with you no son of a bitch
0: no because they were very uh they were very stringent that's how their money comes in man yeah well they'd bring me a box of t-shirts they would count them there with me yep so that we can go yes there's a hundred shirts here and then at the end you have to have the exact amount of money with the exact amount of you know, merge that's missing or whatever, mm-hmm. or it comes out of my whopping $60. Oh, can't have that. Which only happened once. And even the the artist, I forget who it was, but the guy was like, yeah, it's no big deal. Cause it was like one thing was missing or something. Right. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like the separation a little bit. I, under- I, I, I understand both. Yeah. I, I love it, but I,
1: for myself. Like I've tried to separate when I separate, I don't sell as much merchandise.
0: Well, what, maybe it's the guy. Maybe you need to hire me for free, brother, brother, Yep. Uh, to be your merch guy. I stand out there carnival barking. Hey, yeah. Fato, what are you doing? Oh, you don't like me? Why don't you buy one of these shirts? You, you know what's funny
1: is, man, <laughs> is that there's wrestlers, that carnival guy for themselves that I'm not going to name, and they sound <laughs> like fucking idiots every fucking time. Like, what literally- if I set up,
0: what if I set up, Uh, A dunk tank There it is And then over the bullseye I put one of your shirts I go hey You with the The fucking baloney arms If you fucking hit the thing You get a shirt You pansy Come on Show me what you got (laughs) That might work $20 a ball (laughs) Now And also I
1: think that Just to talk on this subject Just a little bit more Is I think that there is a reason Why It's a lot harder To do things Like have people run merch For you now Okay And this is why is because of social media. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because in social media, people have direct contact to you at
0: every second
1: of every day. Right. And unfortunately... Well, you can be like
0: every other celebrity. Uh, just don't uh, interact with anybody that sends you anything.
1: As it stands right now, I have 87 unread emails. Not emails, but uh, text messages. Right. 87. And... I'm. You can't see this on camera, but I could just, I could just scroll all day long, just all day long, just. I I can't do it, right. like, and it's actually caused me um, quite a bit of anxiety because there's some things that slip through the cracks, right. and obviously when I'm doing the pre-orders for my shirts, I have my messages turned on, and my notifications on for right now. The second that I'm done selling those shirts they're going off unless I know that I need to directly contact a promoter. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I know that I contacted a promoter, then my phone goes on for a day. Right. And then I check my emails periodically throughout the day. And then I check my messages and that's about it. But unfortunately I, because of social media, people expect a lot more Mm. from the, performer especially when it comes to independent wrestling because everyone knows how independent wrestling works right like all oh, these guys probably aren't making that much money and stuff like that and, right oh this guy he talked to me at a show and we're really we're friendly now i'm gonna invite him over for dinner I'm, <laughs> right. I'm gonna i'm gonna ask to go hang out i i have people that ask me all the time to hang out with me and to meet up with them and stuff like that and i can't do it because it there's a boundary that I need to keep between myself and people. And that's because I already have a lot of obligations and responsibilities when it comes just to being a trainer at future stars of wrestling alone. Right. You know, like my class uh, where I burnt my head. uh, Oh yeah. We need to talk about that. Had about probably 23 people to 25 people yesterday. Mm hmm. You know, like, and I have to make sure that all of their heart rates are positive, and no one's gonna die on me. Nick Bugatti puked on one of my drills. Shout out, Nick Bugatti, and it gives me knowledge knowing that I made a good drill to make a worker puke. Right. Um, but I, I get, I get this. It's unfortunate because
0: well, there's something to be said if if you can create a, a gimmick that has a, a certain amount of mystique behind it. And if you have the discipline to keep up with it, yeah, it can create a lot of intrigue. Uh, One of my favorite Las Vegas bands is called Black Camaro. band my first band first started i mean they were known as this like they had this mystery around them that they were a bunch of drug craze maniacs i mean like they were, they did an interview with the uh newspaper where there was a loaded shotgun between the t-
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: just sitting on the table just crazy shit uh and then it, and it and it all sort of uh mixed with their their sort of a ween style take on punk rock. Not that they're a ween band, but like they, they just did whatever it is that they wanted to do. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, that could be the hardest song ever or the softest song ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, There, there was such a mystery about them. And I, I ended up because we're both in the music scene, uh, ended up befriending them. And I'm not going to say it was a disappointment, because I've got great friends out of that band, right? But um, uh, part of me misses that that mystery a little bit, right? Because then you're when you actually find out,
1: then the mystery is not there, and yeah, because
0: I found out that they're actually normal dudes, and you know a lot of not that a lot of it was bullshit. There were certain drugs that were involved, and there was a loaded shotgun, yes. Um, uh, but but just learning that oh they're just a normal dude. Yeah, you know, I think it can be done
1: and it can be done. But for for pro wrestlers, the um, <clears throat> for pro wrestlers, it might be a little bit different than music, but I can't speak too much because I don't know about the music. end. I can only speak from my end. And I have a lot of people that they they often like, I, I just I really want to get to know who you are. Well, you're going to have to keep guessing. Right. Right. And if anything, I'm thankful because I see, that's
0: the thing. I don't, I wouldn't want to be put in that situation. Thankfully my band, I just, because of my stage presence, people just as girls tried to molest me and dudes try to offer me hard drugs. Yes. Uh, that's I not mean, a bad spot to be in, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> since I don't have a drug problem and I was, I was desperate for girls. Uh, so it, I, so uh, it was like uh, yes to you and no to you. Yep. Um, but even then I didn't fraternize with the with the little people. And and that's the thing too is is that mostly because yeah. the truth was, and you know this about me. I mean, you're sitting in a room that has polyhedral dice and fucking uh board games all I, over the place. I'm just gonna open a drawer real quick to find
1: some pewter jewelry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, I don't have any pewter jewelry, folks. Shit. Anymore. I just want
1: that little tiny eagle
0: claw that's holding the marble. Stop it. Yeah. Now, now you're just making fun of me. <laughs> folks, he's referencing whether he knows it or not. When I was a kid, I had a dragon claw. You know, when you're in eighth grade, you go through that, I'm into heavy metal and wearing all black face that Cody hasn't let go of yet. Hey, here I am. And uh, <laughs> I, I was... I had this necklace that was a fucking dragon claw made out of pewter. And I don't know what you know about pewter. It's a really soft metal, like softer than any iron. Yes. Or lead, I'm sorry. And, uh, um, and it was clutching a uh, crystal ball, but really it was just like a marble. <laughs> anyway, this fucking marble came free and I had it in my mouth. Uh, and, you know, you just, you're just you a kid, you do dumb shit. So I was just swishing it around in my mouth or whatever, and I was lying on my back watching Kids in the Hall, and uh, guess what? I think Kids in the Hall are fucking hilarious. Yes, sir. And uh, I don't know, Kevin McDonald must have done something, because I fucking started laughing, and that shit rolled right down my tongue and hit (laughs) my esophagus, and I stood up and went, and then I had to inhale. Well, and right. I swallowed that fucking thing. Well,
1: you, I, take it from somebody that inhaled a tacky glue cap. At least you didn't have to have part of your lung removed. Yes. Thank, so I thank, think that you came out okay.
0: Although the end of the story is, I guess, that my mother uh, was like, "Cause I told her I had to." Like, "Oh shit, I swallowed a, a fucking small piece of glass." Essentially. Yep. And she's like, "Oh, I got the. I just got the thing here," and she gave me a spoonful of milk of magnesia. I don't know what milk of magnesia is it makes you poop uh that's 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 the facts mister because uh she gave me a spoonful of this shit and told me don't fart and uh don't trust it yeah i could not help myself i giggled just a little and about fucking uh fired off like a rocket ship there it is there it is probably lost about 10 pounds And by the way, my mom was like, did it come out? I was like, yo, I'm not sifting through the toilet. Yeah, we're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to find out. Throw (laughs) a fucking runny diarrhea to see if there's a fucking marble in there. I was
1: wondering your thoughts on Mil Moscaris. Everybody seems to badmouth him, but I worked a program with him in Mexico in 1985. I found him to be the easiest opponent who I ever worked with. (laughs) I didn't do the lucha flippy spots which I've always disliked, but I'd catch him when he did them. So here's someone with a positive experience dealing with Mil Moscaris. Jim, everyone, bad mouths. what are your thoughts on Mil Moscaris?
3: Well, I can speak purely from having met him the once at the clash of champions in uh, Corpus Christi and briefly, and, uh, you know, just so I can judge him just impartially as a fan and as a historian both the all those stories are correct if mil moscaris especially in in the 80s and 90s and well, i was about to say the later years of his career isn't he still working did he work like fucking six months ago in japan it was it's almost maybe a year ago i don't know if he's worked okay. this year with the virus going around but he Wait, was, yeah he was still having the occasional
1: match he had one in japan i saw him do a very sad flying cross body off the top rope but i wasn't
3: wasn't it like a six man tag and, and the other two guys held his hands, he climbed up to the top and then he let go and kind of fell in a diving yes. manner off to the guy. Yeah. But he's 80. And it, so all these stories are true, especially as he started getting older. You would, the last thing that would ever happen is that you would get hurt in a Mil Mascaris match because he wouldn't do anything dangerous to himself that might incidentally hurt you. He would not give an offensive maneuver that would require him getting very far up in the air, except to do his trademark, you know, the flying burrito, as Manny Fernandez called it, the flying cross chop, and then the cross body off the top. And as long as you caught him, you were okay. As long as he was going over.
0: Oh, so what happened to your head? Oh, Oh, cause, uh, you know, I'm looking at you from the front. You look fine. But I did notice when you came into my house, like, Oh, he's got a, a burn mark uh, yeah. along the back of his neck and up to the tip of his scalp <laughs> yes. on the backside.
1: Um, so, uh, the fish outer water spot, um, fish outer water spot is, uh, if anyone saw recently, uh, CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. You'd be proud of me. I didn't fuck up his name today. Good job. Yeah, I do my best. Well, once you hear it enough, I try to educate myself. I appreciate the help, sir.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to get you a copy of Sherlock Holmes. You got to know what Moriarty is.
1: is. So, i I saw that, and I'm like, oh man, I should bring that. You got to explain it. What it it is. Yeah. So they did a spot where Punk attempted to go for the Hurricane Rana off the second rope and Moriarty rolled through and then pinned him, and then punks shoved them through for a pin of his own. And it's just a sequence where you trade pins back and forth. Why do they call it fish out of water then? Because you're flopping. That's why it's called a fish out of water spot. You're flopping. You're flopping. Right. Because if I'm laying on my back, I have to flop in order to get off my back. Right.
0: <laughs> I guess. I feel like this metaphor doesn't work, but I okay. mean, it's probably been there for a while. So what do I know? Yeah. The, the,
1: it's the name of the spot and it, I, the end of the fish out of water spot, if you do it the advanced way, is you go for a jackknife pin, which is essentially when you double leg your opponent and then you throw your body on top of them with a front flip to where your back is on their uh, chest and stomach. And if you're savvy enough, And if you actually have enough core stability and strength, you hold on to each other and you both bridge up simultaneously while the person underneath then swims you through into a backslide Mm -hmm. and you get a pin. I have never been able to do this spot all the way through. Uh, However, I felt I'm like, you know, I'm a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I think that these kids would really, really do well with this spot. So I turned it into a drill and it, I, uh, I went with Nick Bugatti and he... Still calling them kids. Yes. There's some that are actually kids. Sure. Yeah. But there's some, some that are grown but, adults. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're my children. <laughs> It'd be
0: like if I were in your class. Hey, all right, kids. All right, yeah. grandpa, knock it off. Yeah. Hey,
1: <laughs> I'm just saying there there's a lot of them that are young. Sure. Yeah. So, and... So I, Nick Bugatti gives me the sunset flip. I back roll and I go to stack him with the pin. And when he shoved my head through, I was able to clear the roll, um, which is not necessarily a roll. You're basically giving yourself a miniature power bomb and you have to be really quick with it. And I nailed it, but I scraped my entire head in the process of nailing it.
0: You gotta get you some of that uh, scalp
1: butter. It's it's my fault because I shaved my head. Yeah. Before I came in, and it was like a fresh shave, right? Like it wasn't like I I shaved my head really late in that day, which I think made my scalp a lot more sensitive. Right. But man, it burns.
0: <laughs> well, it brings burns. up an interesting question because I've seen a lot of different types, some better than others, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, we've never talked about the uh, in detail, the construction of the ring outside of the frame and the, the wooden uh, two by fours. Are they two by fours?
1: Um, I wouldn't call them two by fours because the dimensions well, of the them dimensions are longer. Are,
0: aren't they like one by three inches <laughs> yeah, or something? Some
1: some use
0: I call them planks.
1: Right. Right. And then some actually use sheets of wood. It depends on the
0: ring. Oh right, yeah.
1: So there's, some rings—you mean
0: the particle board?
1: Yes, some reason. Some rings will use section particle board, and other rings will use planks. And what do you prefer? Um, it it really depends on. I don't have a preference on the wood.
0: Well, I mean the the planks can sometimes pop out, and God forbid anyone land on it. The the, the planks, if they are tied down tight
1: enough, yeah, with the canvas, and as long as there's no warping, right. Um, then you're good, but unfortunately over time they do warp. Right. Um, the, the caveat, uh, to using the sectionals is that those often if big enough impact, they just break. So you have somebody that's like a 400 pound boy catch a cross body block. They, they will, you can pop a board, right? Like you can pop a plank pretty easily. You can the good news is is that they're, they're, even easier.
0: Yeah, the good news is that those those boards are easily replaceable.
1: They're easily replaceable, but unfortunately, due to uh, what's happening in the world right now, the cost of wood is insane. Yeah. So the price of wood has gone up
0: quite a bit. Sure.
1: Quite a bit. But well,
0: whatever. You don't got to pay for it. Tell that cheap-ass promoter to...
1: Yeah. to- it, it, he, I, I'm definitely not going to call it, Rocky T is the money man. He's definitely not cheap. He buys the shit when he needs to replace it.
0: He's not the only promoter. I'm saying yeah. promoter as a general term. Yes. And so certain... Re-
1: certain rings like there's a bunch of different dimensions of rings now. Sure. Uh, whereas the standard used to be 20 by 20.
0: I think the standard was always 18 by 18. The WWEF <clears throat> um, was the only 21 for like the longest time. Well, th-
1: the very first ring that I was ever in was actually a custom made, uh, octagon ring. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the dimensions of it, but it was small. And, <clears throat> It used planks and it used memory foam for the padding. So it bumped really nice.
0: Sure. And then But it probably look and this is the why I brought this up. Probably look like shit when you're sort of just standing on it or if you have to move. Yeah. Um, because that's this is what I'm getting at. The the foam pad and the actual canvas itself. I've seen some really lousy canvases. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is what's the best material for canvas canvas
1: canvas would be the best material for canvas.
0: Just like matte. Yep. uh, The the same woven.
1: Yep. The same material that you would get, uh, on your pair of converse, Mm -hmm. right. That, that would be, I, I, I believe that is called canvas. Yeah. 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 But, um, tarp for instance. Right. Um, I Such can, an ugly look. It's an ugly look, but I can have fun and tarp because I can slide on tarp. Sure. So like it's very But it's
0: always loose
1: and it looks like shit. Some if you get it measured properly, like it can mat it down, but it always looks like shit because it's tarp. Right. Like, um, there's benefits to using tarp for like if you're doing deathmatch stuff or hardcore stuff mm-hmm. and you get a bunch of debris on the ring and stuff like that. All you got to do is hose the tarp off. Right. It's a lot easier to care for tarp than it is to care for canvas. Um, and outside of trying to use uh, antibacterial sprays and trying to clean and things like that, it's a lot easier to care for tarp. Um, but future stars of wrestling's ring. There's even some rings that have hydraulic pumps in the center of them. There's some rings that have springs that are not only in the center, but they're also... On the posts. In the posts. And, like, I've been in a ring one time that I think had a one, two, five springs. Yeah. Right? And it, <clears throat> so all rings are really different. Right. You know, like in... <clears throat> I really like Future Stars of Wrestling's ring. It bumps really, really well. Um, we use... Uh, some thin black padding. Um, it's not memory foam or anything like that, but it's not carpet insulation. I've wrestled for companies that use carpet insulation as padding, Right. which if you really want to know if you're working for a rinky dink promotion, that's <laughs> the first thing that you'll see is you'll see uh, anytime I see a tarp as the canvas, I'm willing to, bet $5 that it's going to be carpet insulation is the padding. What
0: underneath. about a thin layer of that shit they put on playgrounds, the recycled tires?
1: We, uh, we've used, um, the square mats like that were very similar to what you're talking about mm-hmm. as a backup, um, padding. Mm-hmm. But eventually we just realized that it wasn't really doing much other than kind of adding more cushion than necessary. The problem is that if it's too cushioned and if your foot sinks too far into the pad, you the, can run the risk of possibly twisting your ankle.
0: That's what I'm saying. And plus, it looks lousy from the yep. fan seats. I mean, when you see a ring that it's like this, I first impressions are everything. Yep. And when that first match starts, if guy A and guy B look like a couple of goofs, uh, I've already checked out. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to dig yourself out of a hole. And when they get into a ring and it's fucking crazy noisy and they're just standing there or they're sinking into the mat or whatever, mm-hmm. I've, I've checked out even further. It's yeah. like, this place is a dump. <laughs> yep. yep. And,
1: and like anytime I wrestle out of state and you can ask, uh, anyone that's ever traveled with me, right? the very first thing that I do is I say my hellos and then I get in the ring and I start inspecting the ring i look to see if their turnbuckle eye hooks are facing up or down if they're facing up it's too late for me to tell them to fix them but i know i'm just not going to take a turnbuckle i'm not going to have my head thrown to that turnbuckle because i could come up
0: bloody right right or that nut shot deal where you get uh yeah (laughs) yep and that could fuck some shit up too yeah i mean that should be everyone's first uh order of business yep. is to roll in the ring, take a flat back bump and then fucking run the ropes. Yep. Check out the check out the eye hooks. Yep. I have mean, what else? The check out the apron. Is, I don't is know. Is there
1: any padding that's overlapping right. or is there padding that's up, underlapping? Right? You know, like if if the padding doesn't meet the edge of the frame and if it's short, I might not want to take an apron bump. Right. Right? I but if it's overlapping, which underlapping I don't even think is a fucking word, but overlapping if it's overlapping I might want to take an apron bump because I know that that area of the ring is not only padded but the edge of the apron is padded right. so I can do something fancy off of that.
0: Yeah. And people don't really realize how how easy something like this cuz you know you're in there being active. You yes. know it's 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 easy not to injure yourself sitting in the bleachers. Yes. You're just sitting there. Um but these people are in the ring uh being active and one little goof can really fuck things up uh right before you uh came in i was upstairs with my wife she was watching the voice and i was there giving my color commentary excellent this shit's stupid (laughs) oh man just (laughs) let her watch her show these motherfuckers harmonies are the shits (laughs) (laughs) but anyway (laughs) they they did like some performance Blake Shelton is going to sing some horseshit song and three people on his team. I don't know how it works. They're going to sing with him and they sing the whole fucking song. I guess this is on live TV. Mm -hmm. They sing the whole fucking song. And as soon as they're done, the lights go out and, you know, they're all like waving and shit at this fucking audience. And this girl uh, fucking walks and just trips. Face first over Blake Shelton's floor monitors, the oh, the, st- the speakers. Fuck, because they all had in ears in. Yep, little music stuff for you folks. Uh, and she, I mean, she eats it hard. Uh, next time you see her, she has a broken elbow in one arm and a broken wrist in the other. Oh, and like fuck! I'm surprised she didn't crack oh, her skull. No, and this is on live TV. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> in a singing competition. What a horrible way to go out. That's her just fucking standing there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's so important to know, not to bring it back to music, but even when I, every venue I went to, the first thing I would do is get up on stage and do a couple of fucking jumping jacks and see what we're working with here. Yep. Because my shows were very active. I remember when I was in the army, a band came through town who was pretty rad and uh, uh, there was an elevated stage about five feet in this this kind of billiard hall kind of dive bar-y place. Mm-hmm. So they had this elevated stage. Actually, it wasn't five feet. It was more like three feet. And I'm watching them go. And uh, the guitarist uh, does his fucking best Eddie Van Halen and jumps straight up and comes down straight feet next to each other like a dart, right? Yep. And he goes right through the stage. Fuck Boom. yes! And he, <laughs> he
1: tear the house down. And
0: he 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 hits, and it ever and no one stops playing. That's my favorite part yep. about live music. No one stops playing. They just look over and they're like, "What the fuck?" And he his guitar has been moved up to his chest because it doesn't go through the hole. Yep. Um, And he's like, what the fuck? And he's trapped. He can't do anything. So he just starts starts playing while he. You only see him from the chest up. (laughs) That that that's stellar, but that's what I'm saying. Like yep. you have to know your working environment. If you're an entertainer, uh, if, cause you're going to embarrass yourself if you fuck or injure yourself. Yeah. If you don't know what, what your stage or your ring or whatever yep. and you're you, working with.
1: And you also have to be willing to adjust. Um, yeah. there was a, a battle Royal that I was involved in recently that was in Arizona. And by the time I went out for the battle Royal, something had happened. All the ropes just were loose. Yeah, I think a come along from underneath the ring snapped, and then all of a sudden, rope, it, uh, ropes. Um, why wi- it was wire. Mm-hmm. So the the come along is a just. Sometimes they have two. Wait, are we talking about the?
0: Uh, I don't. I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing. I'm talking about the ropes in the ring. So the ropes in the ring became loose because
1: a come along broke underneath the ring. What's so a come along? A come along is. Sometimes anywhere from two to three wires mm-hmm. that go from post to post, mm. and you tighten those right wires underneath to bring the ring in. If those snap, right, things drop. Right. So um, I'm, I'm I I don't know for sure, but I'm, from what it looked like, it looked like a come along had broken underneath, and all right. the ropes were loose. And it's it's an over the top rope battle royal. So then at that point. Like I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have somebody try to throw me over and I'm just going to bring myself back in just to see if I can still hang on it. Right. And even if I get shit canned
0: out, then I'm just out. By the way, that's the perfect time to do the fucking cactus hangman uh, gig. Uh. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Just a little bit looser.
0: And
4: and, you won't lose an ear.
1: Nope. And I, uh, I ended up getting thrown over and the ropes were tight enough to where people could still get thrown over. Yeah. So I test it out, I roll back in. And then as I'm starting to go around, as I'm punching people, I'm like, be careful, but it's going to be fine. You can still get thrown over the rope, right? Be careful.
0: Do you think if those come alongs all go and somebody does just runs the ropes real quick, Mm -hmm. that could collapse the ring, right? Um, a bump in the center of the ring could collapse the ring. Yeah.
1: Um, if it's a big, big bump and I don't necessarily know if it's a possibility, but it'd have to be a lot of weight to bounce on that one side. But if anyone sees a rope slacked like that, right, they, they ain't going to hit it as long as they have two fucking brain cells to rub together. Well,
0: I just like when, uh, who was it? The, the heart foundation versus the rocker. Yes, sir. Uh, and this was a non-televised mat. Well, it was televised, and then they chose not to air it, I believe. Yes. Because the top rope uh, collapsed. And at a certain point, Bret Hart, mm-hmm. he, they get set up for a move, and he has to rebound off of the ropes, and he goes over to it and just kind of leans into it like, yep. fuck this. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: And I, I remember when I uh, won the No Limits Championship from Funny Bone, mm-hmm. uh, your favorite. Um, which I know that you hate this, the cash in the case, the
0: cash in the case. Hey guys, I got a hot idea.
1: Yes. So (laughs) I, I had the cash in the case and funny bone had wrestled by the way, no cash in that
0: case. No, there was nothing. There was no cash in that case. Shouldn't there be by law? Um, we need to do something about these gimmicks. If Jim Cornette says, hey, whoever wins this match gets 5,000 bucks. They should get 5,000 bucks. You better fucking have 5,000 bucks the, on load, this, motherfucker. This
1: would be a different world to live in, man. Yeah. I'm telling you that much And if right you're going to
0: have a gimmick called the cash in the case. Yes. Because money in the bank is already taken. Hagen. Yes. You better have at least a dollar in there. Yes. Actually, I think cash, you got to have more than one, right? Yeah. Cash sounds like plural. We'll get like five bucks in there. So
1: in, in, in ones. <laughs> so... I, I cashed in, but in the match, like funny bone had been in a four way with some people and the top rope broke uh-huh. and we were going to use the top rope, um, in the little tiny three minute match that we had. Right. And I think we were going to use it like twice, uh, for some reason, what were
0: you planning on doing?
1: Um, it, there was a, there was a double stomp. He was supposed to hit me with a double stomp off the top. And I think that I was supposed to catch him as he was going to attempt the double stomp again with a cutter uh Uh, and and we couldn't do it so we just had to kind of improv it as we went along and things still went the way they needed to go
0: were you okay with that i mean you're capable enough you can call it in the ring it's fucking three minutes for god's sake yeah absolutely like it's it's i'm worried seriously i'm worried that a lot of people would go in there and be like oh fuck well just get up there on the top turnbuckle and yeah hope for the best and that's why you see so many sloppy things on like botchamania and stuff and you you would be surprised
1: with the amount of rope breaks that i have seen that people course correct silas mason yeah uh thrill uh thrill billy uh had a match with a guy named logan creed who is a big boy like 610 big big boy and Logan Creed went to go do the suicide dive through the ropes and Silas was going to cut him off with a punch. But then when Logan just touched the second rope, it just incinerated incinerated. Oh,
0: it just came undone. Yep. So like the elevator cable, it just unround. Yep and just wow that's and, dangerous yeah dude just putting on guitar strings if that shit snaps it'll go in your arm yep and it, it it was wild though but they were still able to finish the match and silas was even still able to finesse a uh, top rope moonsault out of it how many times have you seen somebody do that fucking dive through the ropes and you know i assume part of the training i don't know anything but i assume part of the training is uh point your toes outward like a fucking rocket or something because uh if you just go through flat foot yeah and your toes catch that rope and you just fucking (laughs) just go
1: just drop down on your face well i mean it's similar to um it's similar footwork to an actual dive into a pool like if you dive into like open water you want to make sure that you have your toes angled Right. Um, there's other people that are able to no one can see me do this, but I'm holding my feet in this direction. You're doing the Charlie Chaplin. Yes. I have seen people that have been able to Charlie Chaplin. Um, I myself have never done a suicide from the top and the middle. I used to do them from the middle and the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I would just fucking damn. Huck. That's a
0: so low to the ground.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would I would huck myself out. And as long as I huck myself out, like my feet would never touch. But I would hit and fly on that one.
0: Well, my personal opinion on that dive is it needs to go uh, away for some years because uh, I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. How Darby Allen hits that
1: pretty well.
0: Except okay, yeah, let man. me make an exception, except for Darby mm-hmm. Allen. Yes, because everyone else appears to, and even uh, probably my favorite guy right now, Brian Danielson, the mm-hmm. American Dragon. Although he hits a pretty stiff one, but look, by and large, people just dive out and they push the other guy. Yes. Uh, Pushing is not what I would call an offensive maneuver. I don't care how fast you're running. Now, Darby Allen is a fucking human missile. And just this past week about killed Billy Gunn. Yes. Yes. I mean, like ricocheted off of him. Yeah. It was spectacular.
1: (laughs) It was absolutely spectacular. The, the the absolute I don't give a fuck out of Darby Allen is something admirable. Um, it's pretty
0: impressive. It's only a matter of time before he's got to do the fucking Van Dam gimmick where he's got to be out for a year and a half because he broke something. Yeah, that'll be well, That'll be the reality check. Unfortunately, we're we're knocking on wood for him. Uh, well, yeah, but hey, look, let's be real. You cannot continue to do this wild stuff forever yeah it will catch up with you or you'll just catch a bad break uh, yeah uh, pun i guess intended
1: yep and it's unfortunate because like i i admire anyone that's willing to really put their their bodies on the line like that
0: i admire the person who agrees to stand across from it yeah you know what i mean because, like, hey, I got a hot idea. I'm going to fucking do a lawn dart move at you, and you just stand there and take it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that guy's a goddamn hero. Yep. Yeah. And and that's the thing, too. Because uh, fucking somehow, Darby Darby Allen is like uh uh Flojo. This motherfucker gets so much speed. Yes. It's unreal. Like He gets,
1: like, as much speed as, like, an offensive lineman, you
0: know? more like, than that because he's much lighter
1: yeah but in and he hucks his body man like it's impressive yeah um but yeah it's uh it's one of those things man i really feel like uh i hope that he doesn't get hurt right of course Re- nobody, nobody does yeah realistically man we'll see what happens
5: my spanish is not so good maybe you could help
2: me <laughs> he says that his es is bueno y Está pidiéndome el favor que lo ayude en la traducción.
5: I've had the thrill as a competitor to come here to Mexico many, many times.
2: He vio la emoción que significa como competidor venir aquí en muchas ocasiones a México. But it's my biggest thrill as COO
5: to finally bring Raw and SmackDown television here to Mexico.
2: Pero nada se compara a la emoción como gerente de operaciones al finalmente poder traer aquí la transmisión en vivo de Raw y SmackDown a México. And tonight
5: it's my honor to bring out here for all of you a true
2: living Legend. Y para mí es un verdadero honor presentarles hoy a una verdadera leyenda viviente.
5: He is a true global superstar and he is one of your own. He is the man of a thousand masks. Mil máscaras! Mill, it's an honor and a thrill for us to have you here tonight as part of the WWE's first TV tapings here in Mexico.
2: Es un honor para nosotros, Mil Máscaras, el tenerlo aquí presente en las primeras transmisiones en vivo de nuestros programas estrellas, Roy SmackDown. But I've also
5: asked you to come out here because I'm about to Hopefully, request that you will give us another honor.
2: Pero he venido aquí para respetuosamente pedirle el favor de que nos haga realidad otro pedido.
5: As I think everybody around the world knows, April 1st, 2012, from Miami, Florida, emanates the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania.
2: Como creo que todos ustedes ya saben, El primero de abril del próximo año 2012, emana desde la capital del sol, Miami, Florida, el programa premier del entretenimiento a nivel mundial, WrestleMania.
5: And la noche before WrestleMania, there's sí. a tremendous night that is a huge honor for everybody in the WWE.
2: La víspera de WrestleMania se celebra una noche que es sumamente importante para la WWE
5: and i am hoping that mil máscaras will be there that night as we induct him into the
2: 2012 WWE Hall of Fame y tengo la esperanza de que mil máscaras esté allí presente para exaltarlo como miembro del salón de la fama de la WWE en el año 2012
0: I saw that you watched uh, Dynamite this week. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow!" Because you never watch Dynamite, not because of by choice, just because you're normally busy. I just try. I get wrapped up, and yeah. ironically, I was uh, busy doing other shit, so I didn't see it.
1: Yeah, I wa- I watched it with a uh, Nikolai Bukakis, uh, good old Nick Bugatti. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> kidnapped him, and we uh, sat down and watched it. And
0: how'd you like the show? Since you don't watch it week to week,
1: I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like I thought there was a lot of really good in it. I uh I I I think that the flaming table spot Oh yeah, uh, that happened. Um I I I could only hope for the safety of the wrestlers and the whole whole entire time I was wondering why Cody Rhodes had such a bad sunburn. Yes. Uh, at one point he gives Andrade a scoop power slam mm-hmm. and he just like explodes into flakes. Right, And they were large enough to visibly
0: see on camera. Somebody told me, though, that like, uh, not somebody told me, I think I heard it on a podcast or something that he put on fire retardant gel or something.
1: There, th- That could be a really strong possibility, too. I, I Either that or he did a dry run mm-hmm. of it and then possibly got a little burnt in the dry run. So I would hope there would be a flame retardant gel. I think the only thing that I can say is, is that that
0: was a pretty big fucking fire.
1: It it it, it was a big fire. They were both and on he was, fire he, afterwards,
0: and he was stuck on it for a second. Y- yeah. That that's the key because the the guy who bumps and rolls, no big deal. Yep, little hair off the arm, no big whoop. Yeah, uh, the guy who bumps and doesn't get to roll, who just gets to lie there, mm-hmm. uh, he's got to think fast. Yeah. And uh, he did what he could, but it wasn't fast enough.
1: Yep. Well, Andrade had a piece of the table. The fire was on his chest. Cody had a part that was on his back and on his boot. Right. You know, and I just, I wish that, like, I appreciate the fact that those guys did that bump without clothes on, basically. Sure. Right. But I was very confused why Cody Rhodes would not wear street clothes to a street fight.
0: You know, I find it refreshing because I got to tell you, as a fan, it never occurred to me that guys would not wear their gear in these street fights. I just always wondered why the wrestler as a, as it just never occurred to me. Yeah. I just always wondered like, why are these guys not dressed up? And of course we, you know, we know what we know now it's, they didn't want to fucking ruin their nice gear. Yes. Hey, look. Gear is expensive. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet he's probably excited to retire that fucking, uh, um, Oh, what's that character from, uh, the boys <laughs> captain white nationalism, what is, whatever his name is.
1: I don't, I have, you know, people have told me to watch the boys. I haven't seen it. yet. Oh,
0: shucks. Well, he's the captain America style character, but white nationalist. No, <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> the way the way he's, he's blonde seen. hair
0: and blue eyes. Well,
1: I, uh, and he's very, bad. I, I Going back, though, to something that happened earlier, uh, uh, I really like the tag match with uh, Darby Allen and Sting. Yeah. Um, It works perfectly for Sting because he can just be there for the hot tag. Right. Right. He can just be there for the hot tag. He still looks really good. It's a really cool dynamic. He looks mostly good.
0: Yeah. Um, As good as he's going to look with his age. Uh, I'm not even talking about in-ring stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, (sighs) I'm not trying to talk shit about somebody. But look, he's uh, holding on to what hair he has left the best he can. Yeah. And I guess I commend you for it. But you know what? I think the more honorable thing to do is uh, what you're doing. Yeah. The John Luke Picard. Chop it all off so I don't look like a goddamn maniac. Say
1: goodbye. And then there, what, uh, obviously Lee Moriarty versus punk. The fact that, um, the, you know, there's so many different reports about punk, right. Mm-hmm. And I have never interacted with him or anything like that, but you always hear, he's a very polarizing
0: figure when it comes to anyone that's in the industry. I find that that was the, the rapport on him back in 2011 he goes out and
1: he has a match with Lee Moriarty mm-hmm. who Lee has been using the Pepsi twist mm-hmm. which is his hammerlock clothesline right and they I like
0: that exchange by the way it
1: was it was a, I was really proud of Lee in that match and Lee is a tremendous fucking guy and it, to see punk like because if that was anybody else, oh no, that's my move, brother.
0: Yeah, he put him over. Yeah,
1: it, he I, absolutely
3: I, did.
0: There is something to be said. I, I I see it a lot, uh, in the 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 Instagram and Twitter feed for our show, and I I you know I listen to a lot of podcasts, and some of those happen to be about wrestling, and I hear a lot of commentary of people being worked. And part of me wants to go, what are you, a fucking idiot? You know, <laughs> that you're being worked by yeah. this thing. Right. On the other hand, I guess they're supposed to be work, so I should just keep my mouth shut. Uh, but it's like this stuff that uh, that uh, is going on with MJF and CM Punk, where he's like, yeah, no one wants you here and all this shit. I guarantee you, with the exception of Cole Cabana... That that shit is most likely not true at all. Right. I'm sure they're very fucking happy, and by all reports, he's been a fucking treat to be around because he's ha- he's been completely. He's happy again. Yeah, he's completely refreshed. He's not being, um, uh, weighed down on by a, a sort of dictatorship you know, overlord.
1: Yep. Well, I thought, I think the one thing that was funny is that you had, there was a comment that was going around where some fan was taking the piss at the fact that they booked uh punk versus Lee. And it was like, Oh, well, like he was just on TV with MJF last week and there's no continuation of the story or anything like that. he was on commentary and th- nobody knew that beforehand though. So your internet smart marks were, all up in arms about like, oh, AEW is dropping the ball. And it's like, I knew that he was going to be incorporated in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Because it's logic. And then to see that, that was the only thing that I was laughing about is like, man, these people have got to be eating crow now. Like, how could you like in the thing that I really I just
0: tried not to pay too much mind to people that are being worked by stuff that I find to be obvious. Like this is obvious to me. I'm, and I'm just enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but I can't get wrapped up in these, these sort of stupid conversations.
1: Right. And, and it's good to check yourselves out of them, but you know, the,
0: the, it, I remember
1: the day that I was able to start connecting like wrestling fandom to, any other niche geek fandom mm-hmm. um i went in to a GameStop. stop actually it may have been like at that point it was it was game crazy this is how long ago this was god damn i don't even remember now, game crazy game crazy was attached to hollywood video
0: oh, oh my yes. lord this is fucking this is back when you had a full Lush head of hair. Yes, it actually is.
1: <laughs> and it was during the PlayStation 2 era and there was a UFC game that came out for the Sega Dreamcast that they used I remember that, it. Yeah, they used that engine to make a game for the PlayStation 2 that was Pride based. And I loved Pride. And I was really excited. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, man. Like, I wonder if I can do the cartwheel and the double stomp with my boy, Kasushi Sakuraba. Right. And I went down and I asked the neckbeard behind the counter. Yes. Like, hey, man, like I'm looking for the Pride FC game for the PlayStation 2. Yeah, we got it. It's shit. (laughs) Thanks for your commentary. We have it. And it's like, okay, well, I happen to like that shit. So I would like to buy it from you. And then he shrugs his shoulders and he goes over and he's like, well, that's it right there. And then I go and I take it to the counter and he picks it up and he just squints really hard. He's like, you're really sure that you're, you're you you want to buy this? Uh-huh. Yes. I'm really sure that I want to buy that. Thank you so much for engaging me with such glowing commentary about your opinion on something that you don't know fucking dick about. Anyway, how was it? Uh, The game was moderate, man. It was an okay game. I got my enjoyment out of the $20 that I paid for it. Right. Right? It wasn't wasn't the best game in the world, but it served its purpose, and I had fun playing with Bob Sapp. Right. Right? You know, like I had a good time. Bob sap. Playing with Mirko Krokop, right? Oh,
0: wait, no. I'm thinking of Bob Roop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Bob, Remember Bob Roop? Bar- Bob Roop?
0: It was Bob Roop, wasn't it? The guy who was fucking stretching dudes in, in Florida? Bob Roop. I know Boss Roodin. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a pro wrestler for uh, the old FCW. I would have to look him up. Um, I mean, there's, there's film of this, of him... Stretching nerds. Excellent. And now, it's like watching torture footage. Hey, wait, I'm back! Oh, you destroyed me, man! It's a It's a fart, my God! Please! What are you, doing? What,
4: what the hell is with me? Right there, my torture Please, man! Huh? It's a one. It's a Oh, shit! Oh, my God! Uh, When I first started, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling actually had a, on their TV show, they had a sign that said, if you want to try to become a pro wrestler, you can come down to, you know, come down to the Florida Wrestling Office and apply. But they didn't mean it. What they were using that for was to get guys down there and then have them stretched, to have them brutalized and then they would go back out in the public brutalized and people would ask them hey what happened to you and they say yeah, i went down and tried out pro wrestling it was their way of advertising that pro wrestling is supposedly real i don't have a problem with uh showing someone who's being disrespectful that maybe there's some reasons they shouldn't be if they're talking to me anyway uh but in terms of actually just brutalizing someone no The situation that's on YouTube is extremely embarrassing to me because I look like a bully. Uh, As an amateur wrestler yourself, you know what we think of each other. The guys that are bullies are not on our greeting card list because our sport, you don't hurt people. You're penalized if you hurt them even a little. And so if people who use that ability to hurt other people, I got no use for them whatsoever. Now again, protecting yourself, uh, if you're standing up for your profession, if you're standing up for your colleagues, no problem. But even then, you only go as far as you need to. You don't have to break everything. And uh, the guy, this guy had come down to the, uh, the one that we're talking about on, (laughs) please don't watch it. (laughs) But the one that's on YouTube, the guy had come down had been trained, he applied for wrestling with someone who worked there who wasn't smart to the business. And the person who was smart ran into the office and went, oh my God, there's a guy down there knocking the wrestling business. They called me in and asked me, I kept telling the guy to run out the back door because they wanted me. Eddie Graham, I'm sorry, Eddie's gone. It's, but he asked me, he told me to break the guy's leg. You're an amateur wrestler. You don't do that. and never have any pride in yourself against someone who can't defend themselves. So I kept telling the guy to relieve, to run, get out of there. By the time that tape came on, I'd already been on the air, uh, or, or I'd already been in the ring with him for ten minutes. I told him already seven or eight times to get out of there. He wouldn't. Eddie Graham kept talking to him to coming back. Again, back in the ring again. And I told the guy, I said, Man, there's that back door back there. You better get out of here. This guy's insisting I break your leg. He's my boss. So finally, I ran the guy out the front door and, uh, all the damage, I, one time I had his leg bent backwards where the leg bones were actually curved backwards. And just looking at it made me so sick that I let go of it. I ended up, I think, I don't know if I broke it, I think I cracked a bone in his wrist. And um, anyway, he didn't need to go to the hospital. Uh, he, there's, I don't know if it's funny, it's ironic. The guy ran out, I ran him out the front door finally, it's the only way I could get rid of him without hurting him. And he went down, to the, there was a music store about a block away, what ran in there and they thought he'd been in a car wreck. All he had was on the shorts that you see on, yeah. they thought he'd been in a car wreck. Well, they called the police, and uh, the police got there, and they knew what, what had happened, because it was right next to the wrestling office. They put this poor guy in handcuffs. He's already got a cracked wrist <laughs> behind his back, and bring him back to the wrestling, uh, back bring him back to the sportatorium. I've showered, and I'm going, and I've worked in the office there as a booker, and I was on my way back upstairs, and uh, here comes the door open. Here comes these two cops, and bringing this poor guy back in there. I just went, oh, my God. I went up the stairs, but the wrestler named Dick Murdoch, which your you're wrestling fans, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, Murdoch uh, was standing there when they brought the guy by and he'd seen the last part of the of the guy being abused. And he Murdoch said to the guy, he says, hey, my grandmother could beat that Bob Roop. He said, why don't you take on a real man? And the guy said, well, I got my hands handcuffed behind my back. And Murdoch says, don't give me those kind of that kind of chicken shit excuse, you chicken shit bastard. I'm sorry, I'm swearing on. I hope you don't have to, have to uh, bleep that on your podcast, but I don't know how you, I don't know how you can quote a wrestler without a few cuss words in there.
0: Oh no, because fucking uh, Eddie Graham is there. Yeah, uh, and they're just looking at this fucking guy. You know, this is a guy who. Uh, I mean, there's there's a little bit of it. I mean, it's scary to watch because he. Fucking! It looks like he does some serious damage, like fucking just completely tear something or put pulls some shit out of sockets. I mean, it's really fucked up. It's-
1: there was there was a video of apparently uh, Satoru Sayama, the first Tiger Mask, beating the shit out of young boys at a martial arts school. Yeah, and so I've seen that before, and I can imagine. Though no, it's uncomfortable to watch.
0: Yeah, and when the person is begging and pleading for their life. Yep. You know, this particular Bob Roop footage, I remember, I mean, this, this fucking nerd is, he's begging, uh, it's like a fucking Al Qaeda f- found oh my, footage film. My goodness. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that's the thing
1: is man is like, I, and I'm, I'm doing my best not to be too critical, man. I, I have opinions like sure, really strong opinions, right. but at the same time, there's a lot to enjoy. Yeah. Like, if I if I were to say, if there was one thing that I didn't really like on that show was probably the Orange Cassidy, Young Bucks, Adam Cole segment. Mm-hmm. That was probably the only thing that is just kind of like, that's not my cup of tea. But everyone in that building was creaming their pants. Right. So
0: my opinion means absolutely nothing that's, if a crowd's reacting to it. That's my stance on absolutely everything, by the <laughs> way. Um, you know, I'm a big Beatles fanatic. And... You know the Beatles had two hundred great songs, um, but I I'm willing to bet that as popular as they were, even at the height of Beatlemania, they weren't so naive to think that everyone on the planet should like what they do. Mm-hmm. the 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 truth is, is you as an artist or a wrestler or a comedian, it's all art, right? So we'll use the general over term of art artist as an artist you have to be okay with the fact that people aren't going to uh, like what you do yeah and you have to be mature enough to go okay you know if someone comes up to you and goes oh you're a wrestler I've seen you wrestle before and you suck yep all right that's cool I'm sure you like somebody else so this shit's got nothing to do with me Go go tell your friend it doesn't matter right it takes a mature person to do that You can tell the fucking rookies who take it to heart and go, oh, you know, I was that person once. I'm sure uh, maybe even you were at one point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: My favorite thing to do now is I'll go back and I'll like read old reviews from when I was wrestling for Paragon Pro Wrestling. Right. Um, I think that one of my favorite reviews, and it was from even before that, it was I wrestled a guy named Paul Isadora that is like a shoot seven feet tall. And I got thumped by him at FSW and the guy uh, was doing a review for the match. And he said, crash test Cody bumped well, but I
0: kind of wanted him to die more. What an asshole. And this guy is. <laughs> and so, but first of all, I just don't like that one sentence. It's yes. like, dude, you're in too deep. You need to take a break. Cause you yeah, can't and, appreciate
1: shit. And, and, and that was the thing that I, I ended up screen capping it and I'm like, note to self die more. And <laughs> it's, just, and it's just for me, I just giggle at it because yeah. I'm like,
0: okay. But these people are everywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah. for the past few weeks, there's been this thing going on, on AEW television with Cody Rhodes and the fans. Yes. People have started to turn a corner on Cody Rhodes um, for by hook or by crook, I don't. I think the the reality show has something to do with yeah. it, or all of his extracurricular activities. Yes, his uh, his position in the company. Um, but look, it hasn't been that long. I'm. St- it you know his match with uh his brother was fucking fantastic. All, it, yeah, the, a lot of the matches that he had in these big moments were great. And he's a guy who's willing to do whatever it takes to give people a good show. So I don't agree with this notion, but people will not fucking let it go that he needs to turn. Well, recently he gave this promo about people want me to turn, you know, whatever.
1: He tried doing the John Cena
0: thing. Well, here's the funny thing. <clears throat> He says at the end of it, I will not turn. And people go, boo. And everyone, I get the feeling that everyone's like, this guy fucking, you know, he thinks he's John Cena or some shit. Yeah. This is another one of those things where I look at it and I see something quite obvious. It's not that he has a bunch of fucking make a wish kids that he needs to go visit and he doesn't want to be a a dastardly villain. It seems obvious to me. That he's creating this on purpose just to have one person who's filling that role where he is a heel, but he's booked as a face. It seems like the sort of out of the box thinking that the people in this company would do. I hope it is,
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: I'm not sure about it. Sure. Because I think that... um, Now his wife is something different altogether. So... So we um he does not strike me as an idiot. He doesn't strike
1: me as an idiot. However, I'll say this like th- this is the positive, okay? Mm-hmm. The positive is, is that he ended up running a wrestling company and put himself in a position to where he openly said I will not put myself over as the top of this company. Right. And unfortunately, you have the AEW fan base Despite are, the
0: fact that for a period of time, he was the top person in that company. Yes.
1: The AEW fan base is very die-hard wrestling fans. Sure. Do you remember when The Rock went Hollywood? Yeah, of course. And how that was not necessarily the most warm received decision in the world.
0: I fucking hated it. And
1: Okay. So now you're in a situation to where... And you alluded to it that maybe it is because of the extracurricular stuff. I personally feel like the reaction that is happening is now I commend him Mm -hmm. for stepping aside and letting other people take that spot and take that role. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that it has come to detriment him in a way to where I feel like, and this is speculative. Sure. I feel like he's going to have to try to find a way to adjust and the way that he can adjust is going to be probably seen uh, within the span from now until whenever it happens. But I feel like he did. He didn't do himself any favors in trying to win over the wrestling landscape. And I think that maybe some of this backfired on him. Like,
0: I don't I, know. I mean, I feel like a lot of this is sort of, made up by the fans the reason why I say it seems obvious to me as you watch it to see someone say to see him physically stand in the ring and go I will not turn it's the company is predicated on we listen to the fans the other company doesn't listen to the fans but we do right and here's one guy saying I'm not listening to you yeah doesn't that seem like an obvious decision to that's being made
1: there. There, there's a lot there. There's a lot,
0: it, it's just there's, a lot, but it's mostly assumption on everyone's yeah,
1: part is it, the it, yeah. it, It's a lot. It's a lot of assumption on everyone's part. And I can tell you this much right now, like regardless of whatever it is, people are going to watch and people are going to talk about it. So
0: yeah, I guess. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why you do that. Right. To get people to go, "Boo! Fuck you! Get right. out of here!" you know, we right. want you to die because the truth but, is is look, they don't have they only have like a like a handful, like less than a handful of actual heels. And how do you be a heel in that room when everyone is a competent wrestler mostly? Mm-hmm. Um tell the fans you don't listen to them and make and and do it in a way where they were they believe you, right? You got a fan. You've got a heel on load despite how, and just to, to keep the, the rib going, have yourself booked as a baby face. You know, it's like when he threw his belt out into the audience mm-hmm. and they threw it back and he sold it. Oh, is it not obvious? Cause it is to me. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by Timothy Stiles and Cody Hancock with web production and music provided by Timothy Stiles. For more information, go to turnbuckleboogie.com. And for booking information on Cutthroat Cody Hancock, go to cutthroatcody.com. See you next Monday.